to this podcast, designed to help aspiring teachers take those fearful first steps with courage and determination. My name's Andrea, I've been working in the TEFL industry for many years in various roles including Head of Studies, Director of Studies, Teacher Trainer and as a freelance teacher. feeling nervous about starting out as a new teacher, you're not the only one. So many people are taking those fearful first steps after gaining their certificate, but you don't have anything to worry about. Here you're going to receive tips, tricks and useful tactics that will set you up for success in your job in the TEFL industry. During this podcast, you're going to hear from a very experienced teacher talking about some tips on how you can feel more confident as you start your new teaching venture. Francesca has 20 years experience in the TEFL industry. Her career has included lecturing in the public sector, teaching refugees in Scotland, working as a freelance teacher trainer in various academies and as a teacher in academic English. Welcome Francesca, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today and to our aspiring teachers listening in. Thank you, it's an honour to be asked to come on to your podcast. I think it's a brilliant idea for a podcast as we all remember how tough it was at the beginning to get through your first year or so. So yeah, it'll be very interesting to talk about that today. Wonderful, thank you. Well, we're looking forward to hearing what you're going to tell us and what great advice you're going to be able to offer our teachers listening in. Perhaps you'd like to start by telling us a bit about you and what you're doing at the moment, Francesca. Yeah, absolutely. As you said in your fantastic introduction, thank you. I've been teaching for a while. Time flies (laughs) when you enjoy your job. Yeah, I've taught in Italy, Scotland and Spain. I've now been in Madrid for about 11 years. I can't believe (laughs) how fast time has flown. Yeah, and I've worked in all those different settings. At the moment, though, I work as a freelance teacher here in Madrid. I teach mainly business groups, although it's not necessarily very explicitly business English. And I do a lot of intensive courses. I've been doing that for a good few years now, which is great. You get a lot of time with the students. And then in the summer... I'm I'm lucky enough to go back to my homeland and I can teach uh, at Glasgow University and that's where the academic English comes in. Great. Well, it certainly sounds like you like to keep busy. You mentioned about intensives. Perhaps for the benefit of the new teachers listening who don't have so much experience and knowledge yet about the different options that there are out there when working as a teacher. Perhaps you could just briefly explain what intensives are? Absolutely. I feel it's something that's become a bit more common in recent years. And the ones that I teach at the moment, it's where students come for a whole day so they can get a full intense practice of their English. And it's very tiring for them, to be honest. And I often say to them, uh, even though I live in Madrid, I don't necessarily speak for a whole day, eight hours, uh, speaking in Spanish. So I think they do get very good practice. Or also intensives can mean a whole week, a whole month. There's many different types, but just where there's quite a lot of input, a lot of practice for the students. Nice, very interesting. And is that something you've been doing for a long time? 
Yes, I, be, I, I can't actually remember. I used to teach on a sort of monthly intensive. That happened after the financial crisis here in Spain. So a lot of students had maybe redundancy money that they wanted to invest in English so that they, they could improve their CV. Um, so yeah, I've been doing it, I don't know, maybe seven, eight years now, something like that. Wow, very good, very good. Mm. And you also mentioned that you've been in Italy, you've been in Scotland, you're currently working in Madrid and Spain. Tell us a bit about why you chose to work in these countries and why you chose to teach English as a foreign language. Absolutely. Kind of by accident, my grandparents on my dad's side are from Italy. And although they left when they were children, we're lucky to have had a close link with Italy. And so when I graduated from university, I really just wanted to live in Italy. And the only thing I could think to do was to teach English. Although I was quite reluctant, as my parents have teaching backgrounds. Um, but I just loved it. Day one of the course, I just absolutely loved it. And yeah, I've never looked back. <laughs> So was Italy your first place then that you went to teach after you, you did your course? Yes, so I did my certificate in Rome okay. in, in the year 2000, so it's quite easy to remember. In the new, in the new century, I went there. And yeah, I then got a job in a small academy, small family-run academy. I think I got the job because uh, I'm Scottish and the owner was Scottish too. But everything counts, and she was fantastic at helping me in my first year, you know, uh, helping me learn the way. Nice. I like the fact that you two Scottish people coming together and helping each other. That sounds like that was a good reason to get offered a job. <laughs> Very <nice>. Absolutely. <laughs> and so what would you say was your best experience as a new teacher? Yeah, so in that academy in Rome, apart from enjoying my wonderful life living in Rome, oh my goodness, um, I remember teaching a one-to-one -one with a young adult, a young man, who was absolutely elementary. He, he didn't really know very much English when we started. And I'm not sure how long we had class, but I remember at a certain point when he had mastered, say, past simple and present simple, and a bit of vocabulary. I just felt so proud of what we had achieved, what he had achieved, especially at those low levels. Um, I think you can say, well, I kind of taught you everything you know. And it's a, it's a real ego boost, especially for a new teacher trying to find, find their way. Oh, that's nice. Yes, of course it is. It's good satisfaction, something where you feel like you've contributed, right, to, to that. And of course, as a new teacher, you feel like, way, I've learned something. I, I do know something. Absolutely. <laughs> that's such a rewarding experience. Yes. In those first years. Very nice. Mm. Now, are you prepared to share something funny or embarrassing that happened to you in your first year of teaching? Because, to be honest, we're all human. And it does happen to the best of us. And I think it will be nice to share something. Perhaps other teachers know that, well, there's a good chance they'll experience themselves. Absolutely. Uh, one of my regrets after all this time is not keeping some sort of diary of all the funny mistakes, all the mishaps, all the funny things that you said or your students said. Lots of rude 
uh, words that <laughs> students don't quite know what they're saying. Um, so unfortunately, I've forgotten most of them. But I do remember, I don't know if funny is the word, but trying to control uh, nursery children in my first year in Rome, my certificate at least didn't give me very much training in young learners. And I think most of most teachers will find a lot of their timetable will be occupied with young learner teaching and so you do have to try and learn a little bit about that yes i had a group of say 10 little five-year-olds and uh, i do remember i think my boss was in the background thank goodness but i do remember one trying to crawl out the window at one point so <laughs> but nobody died so you know i i survived it and made sure i was a little more prepared for the next class <laughs> very happy to hear that nobody died Francesca yes. thank you for adding that little bit in I like that story thank you for sharing okay and well what do you like to do when you're not teaching what do you do in your spare time well I just love living in Madrid of course I love the cafe culture meeting a friend for a drink even in the winter that's a nice thing to do here out on the terrace I also love the cinema so uh, as much as I can, I get to the cinema or watching stuff online. And I also, on the side, I teach a little bit of uh, Scottish dancing um, uh, because I just love sharing my passion for, for Scottish dancing. It's chaos, but we have fun. Oh, how lovely. That's good. That's really nice. And I, I guess you, over the years, you've managed to create a, a good group of people and some friends and even students, people who are interested in socialising as well for just on those things and dancing and things like that. That's nice. Yeah, That's nice. absolutely, absolutely. Obviously, you've got a lot of experience, Francesca, now, but everybody starts at the beginning and we all need a helping hand during those first few months or even up to our second academic year. So we'd love to hear your perspective and what you think teachers should or shouldn't do or what they should focus on or not focus on during their first year or so. So we'd love to hear a bit of your perspective and some of your own tips. Um, I understand you're going to share five key things with us today. So I'll pass back over to you. Yeah, well, before we get on to the five tips, I just want to reiterate what you've said, that that first year, I, even the second year, I remember feeling like such an imposter. And I was, I was working really hard to try and improve, but you do just feel like you're going to get caught out at any moment. But I think that's a very natural feeling and just try to stick with it. If you're enjoying it most of the time, I think that's, that's the best you can ask for. Once you get that first year under your belt, the second year you'll have a lot of materials, a lot of experience, a lot of games, for example, and you'll start to feel a bit more confident about your abilities as a teacher. So yeah, totally agree. <laughs> okay, so uh, the first thing I wanted to say, which is kind of connected to that, is don't ever be afraid to ask for help. I think we we feel we should know all the answers after our course. We learn so much, but there's still so much to learn. As you said yourself, Andrea, we've all been there. We've all been in that first year trying our best. Um, so everyone, 
everyone has a busy life, but of course, I think everyone can take a bit of time to help you. Um, if you're in a staff room, there's a huge <laughs> choice of people you can ask for help. And I was very lucky to be in lots of very supportive staff rooms throughout my career. But maybe if you're working on your own, you can reach out to the people you did your course with. You can form a little group to help each other in those crisis moments. And even if not that, online, there's a lot of forum discussion online for new teachers. You can ask the the world to help you with your past simple lesson and someone will jump in and help nice i like that tip and do you have uh, an example maybe of when you did or didn't ask for help yourself and just to we can connect with what it's like in that first year absolutely well there's so many examples i could give you <laughs> but um i remember i was teaching in london in a, a sort of summer school for adults and I just had a real panic one day. I just, I was going into an elementary class, but it was quite a lot of students in the class. And I just really panicked. I remember crying in the toilets, actually, you know, it's a stressful time. But two of my colleagues um, who had a lot more experience than me, just basically took me under their wing, uh, gave me some cutout material and said, do this, then do this, then do this. And it formed a, a fabulous class. I, I think it was basically a vocabulary class about, about free time activities, something like that. And then showing me that one showed me a kind of model of how I could do something similar in, in all my classes. I, can, I can't thank them enough. They took that fear away from one day and I felt great about it, yeah. I think that's such a good example and and it just goes to show that people are willing to help and sometimes we're all busy as more experienced teachers and even new teachers we're, we're busy thinking about what we're doing so maybe we don't notice that people need help and that's why it's good to reach out and ask for it and people are then very willing to help of course the more experienced we are the the easier and quicker it is for us to say as in your example, do this, do that, do that, here's this, and off you go, uh, which is super helpful. Also, I think, although we're focusing on your first, second year, I think that never goes away. I still ask for help. I ask my colleagues about new ideas. I'm, I'm not as good at certain things than some of my younger colleagues, or maybe are technically not as experienced as me, but the staff room is a fabulous place to share ideas, um, and share your strengths among everyone. Wonderful. So let's carry on. What other tips do you have, Francesca? Yeah, my second tip is something that really helped me at the beginning, and as I said before, still helps me now, and that's observations, okay? To observe as many other teachers as you can, perhaps within your academy or even elsewhere, but also be observed yourself if there's some sort of facility for that to happen within your organization. It's a great way to receive uh, feedback on how you're getting on. After you finish your certificate, you'll be quite used to that technique of um, other people commenting on your lessons. But I think it never goes away. There's always something to learn. Um, I think you observed me last year, Andrea, and it was a very useful experience to you taught me several things that I, I should probably focus on a bit more. 
I'm glad to hear that, Francesca. Thanks. <laughs> it's always good to know that, uh, that it's useful. And, and I myself have been observed many times, and those are things that I've been passing on. So I think in, in this teaching world, we do use that experience and we pass it on to other people as well. So it's nice to do that. What would you suggest to a new teacher um, to get that kind of thing organized? So if it's not happening in your organization, um, it's your first port of call, I guess, is your boss. Boss might be willing to come in and have a look. Traditional length of time is maybe an hour, but even if they pop in for 15 minutes, they will see some useful uh, things in your class and be able to give you some good feedback. Alternatively, maybe a peer, uh, a fellow teacher, you have to get the permission of, of students and things like that, but it's always useful for teachers to observe each other and, and give feedback. You might want to be specific about it. You might want to uh, take in an uh, observation form that focuses your mind on one aspect of teaching. This could be the activities that the teacher is using, could be how they use the board, how they create good rapport, how they link activities together, anything that you feel could be useful in your teaching. Or alternatively, just a general look at how the class is getting on. Fantastic. I think that's a, a top tip. Very nice. I know it can be sometimes a bit scary for teachers to think that they're going to be observed, but it's also quite typical practice. It's quite typical with the academies to have at least one observation when you're at least starting out, if not every year from there on. So it's worth thinking about asking for it and if not being prepared for it. Absolutely. One alternative to that though, if you, you, you feel that you can't do any of these things that we've mentioned, is you can record yourself. You can, it's something I've only done a couple of times but you can record yourself, even just the audio of the class, but nowadays it's very easy to set up a video recording and you, you do the reflection yourself, like, oh, how do I think that went well? What could I have done better? Um, that sort of thing. And then you can watch back the video, although that can be excruciating, of course, but you get an idea of what you're like as a teacher and some of the ways that you could improve in the future. Very nice idea. I like it a lot. Totally recommend it. Okay, what next? Okay, so this is something I've only really realized in the past 10 years or so, that grammar is not as important as you think. I think when you first finish your certificate, you're a little bit obsessed about grammar. <laughs> you're obsessed that you don't know it well enough, you don't know what you're going to teach next week. And it is an important part of the English language. Of course it is. It provides the structure for a lot of what our students have to say. However, communication breakdowns, I think they tend not to be grammatical, especially in this global English that everyone is speaking now. It's not as important to remember that final S on the present simple third person. And so I would recommend that you spend more class time thinking about vocabulary, functional language, things that will really help your students communicate better. I think there'll be a lot of new teachers that'll be very happy to have just heard that piece of advice, Francesca, because 
I know that we all get so obsessed by teaching this grammar and get so worried by it. So many of us who are native speakers haven't grown up learning the grammar structures. We've just learned it, as you said, through vocabulary, through speaking, and therefore teaching it becomes uh, quite a challenge. I know it was for me and, and can still be for me sometimes, um, even after so many years experience. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people grateful for that piece of advice. And as you said, you know, it is something you still need to learn and you still need to do, but it doesn't have to be the be end and end all of what you teach in a classroom. Absolutely. And I think, unfortunately, yes. And although I'm saying that in those first few years, because of your confidence, you do need to spend some time on it so that you feel more and more confident. Um, however, try and dissuade those students who also think it's the only important thing that actually let's spend your time more fruitfully in class and let's look at some vocabulary, phrasal verbs, or some skills work. Okay, and my next one, number four, is uh, how to keep up your continuing professional development or CPD as we call it normally. I remember back to my first couple of years in teaching and I, I have a strong memory of going into a, a big Glasgow bookstore where you, people would allow you to sit around in the couches for hours without buying a book and copying good activities out of my favourite writers' books that I could then use in class that next week. It's completely different now, as you well know, Andrea. Uh, there's so much online, which is just fabulous. And it's, it's fabulous for teachers. However, it can feel a bit unmanageable. And where do you go and which ones are, which websites are good, which ones are not, maybe not as useful. You will get a feel for that as you start using it yourself. But I do think um, getting established, for example, on LinkedIn, on Twitter. Twitter is fantastic for English language teaching and podcasts, for example, like your own, of course. Um, and there's, uh, there's many out there. One I particularly like is called TEFL Training Institute because it's quite short. It's 15 minutes normally. And I like, I like how they pitch it. I really like you can just pop that into your day and you'll learn a lot. And yeah, just a, a huge variety of things out there. YouTube, of course, which was not there <laughs> when I started teaching. Um, you can follow big industry names and perhaps international associations. One which is called IATEFL, an international association of TEFL teachers. Although you, you can pay to join that, there's a lot of material on their YouTube channel where you can see very experienced teachers and writers talking about um, teaching and you you can learn so much from that. That's a great selection of um, options there. and I, I think you're right Francesca, I think it's so important. Um, in our first year or first two years of teaching we are perhaps overwhelmed a little bit with the amount of learning and the amount of things that we need to do but instead of trying to do it all ourselves with with little experience we should tap into these sources and learn from them and get better um, and get better quicker as well which is always useful so thanks for sharing those ideas that's great 
one thing just to add to that, which I am guilty of, sometimes you get so excited at reading all the blogs and the, listening to the podcast and watching the YouTube that you can feel as overwhelmed as, <laughs> as at the beginning. So one way uh, to combat that is maybe just take one idea that you've heard on the podcast and say, okay, I'm going to implement that this week. And that's enough. You don't need to. <laughs> you don't need to do everything all at once. Okay, one step at a time. No, I think that's that's excellent. And just keep repeating that until you that same one thing until you're comfortable with it, and then move on. Yeah, that's very good. Okay. Okay. And our final tip, which I'm sure you'll agree with, is look after yourself. Okay, teaching is such a rewarding profession. But it can be all-consuming at times. Um, there's so much to learn, especially at the beginning. You might feel you need to take on a lot of hours because of, you know, financial situations. But be careful not to be overwhelmed and not to burn out too soon. It's it's a really important thing. I'm glad the TEFL industry is seems to be recognizing this more and more. There are books now written about teacher well-being, how to combat stress. The main message is it's a good idea to take care of yourself because you'll be an even better teacher if you're doing okay. Um, Francesca, thinking back to when you were in Italy and you were starting, or in Rome specifically when you were starting out teaching, what, what did you do to try and balance out the, between the teaching and looking after yourself? Would you go traveling? What, what did you do? just enjoying the best Rome had to offer. Um, I had made some really nice friends on, on my certificate course. So we spent quite a lot of time together. We lived together for one thing. And I remember trips to the beach. Uh, I remember lots of fantastic Italian food, of course, and the odd romance, let's be honest. And so, yeah, it was a fantastic time. Some stressful moments, of course, but I was in a supportive school and I really loved it. That's wonderful. I think it's so important to enjoy the experience, isn't it? People tend to change cities, change countries. They actually want to come for the culture, for the traveling, for the experience, the food, the drink and everything. So yeah, you did the right thing to, to make friends and enjoy it. In my first two years, I was teaching, but I was absolutely here for the travel and the culture experience. So I spent my weekends traveling, visiting cities, also getting to know Madrid, going to the museums. I think it's, it's important to enjoy that and find time to do that. Teaching is great. It will be hard work, but it's a necessity to, to come and, and take it all in, really. Yes, like with any job. A good life work balance is essential. We need to spend our money on some nice things. To yeah, enjoy absolutely, it. absolutely. <laughs> Fantastic, Francesca. Uh, thank you so much for sharing what I think are five really wonderful tips for teachers in their first couple of years to ensure that they don't get too bogged down with all the work and all the teaching and do live a little and learn a little. Given that you've got so much experience, Francesca, we'd like you to invite you back in the future on another podcast and, and hear more about what you can offer uh, in your experiences and to help some new teachers. So thank you very much. No, thank you again. It's been really nice talking to you. I love talking about teaching. I think your podcast 
podcast is a great idea for young uh, people and older people, let's be honest, uh, coming off their certificate. And it's a great source of information, I think. And I would love to come back. Excellent. Oh, we'll certainly have you back. So thank you very much. So we'll finish the podcast now and we'll invite you back, listeners, with more experts in the field. So keep tuned in and we'll see you soon.